0: Baby Friday on the Fan, a morning show. Sports at five nine. The Fan, Ailish and Justin.
1: I am such a hypocrite.
0: Oh my God! Okay, fired up.
1: Yesterday, did I vow never to speak? But it was it was in the something to chew on about never to speak about Aaron Rodgers oh, again.
0: No, here we're starting with this.
1: And guess who I guess who was one of the five hundred thousand people watching the Pat McAfee show live right? yesterday?
0: More people Me. watched that show than have watched many, many, many sporting events live this year.
1: Yeah, that's like
0: uh That's incredible numbers.
1: That's like a an Oilers game, probably. 500,000. Nationally, a national Oilers game, 500,000. This guy's
0: got us all in the palm of his hand, eh?
1: Connor McDavid or a live interview with Aaron Rodgers. Same viewership. <sighs> Middle of the day.
0: You were one of those, eh?
1: Yeah, I was.
0: I wasn't. I knew I I would see it be shoved down my throat for the rest of this week. I mean,
1: I knew I was going to see it, too, but I was kind of intrigued by the, oh, my God, we have 425, 426. And I was just like, okay, what's going on? And then he's on, and it's just like, oh, Aaron Rodgers has sucked me in again. At least he made an announcement, or at least the semblance of announcement.
0: A semblance of an announcement. He's saying that he's made his intentions clear that he'd like to play with the New York Jets. We're nearing a conclusion.
1: He's doing his best to shape the narrative. He wants to put all the pressure on the Packers. They're the bad guys. They won't free him from his shackles. He tried to
0: be the victim in this whole thing. I went into the darkness with 90% feeling I was going to retire.
1: Which is garbage. I mean,
0: come on. How do you also evaluate? I'm at 90. Another 10%. Like, you either are going to retire or not. He goes into the darkness. Apparently 90% sure he was going to retire. Then he came out... And saw that the Packers were, you know, saying the right thing to the public, but actually thinking that they would move on. And he, oh, I wish I knew that sooner. Like, what would you think? They're just gonna—they gotta have a backup but then plan. He, he
1: keeps talking. He's like the way he said the way I felt at the end of last season was that they wanted to move on. He knew. He's like, when you talk too much, you start talking out of both sides of your mouth, and I guess that happened to me because I ended up watching Aaron Rodgers. But like, he was talking too much to not be somewhat contradictory to himself. Anyway, he wanted to tell this story about how the darkness helped him make his decision and how the Packers are the ones holding things up. And maybe they are because they deserve some compensation for a guy who's won a couple MVPs recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks like he'll get what he wants in the end and all of his buddies are going, so. Should we play that clip then? Sure. We have it. Might as well.
0: Um, we got a couple. So here's the clip that if initially when Rodgers made the proclamation that he intends to play for the Jets and everybody, all the 500,000 watchers got to Twitter real quick and typed it out.
2: This isn't a decision day. This isn't me deciding and announcing to the world that this is what's going on. Uh, In fact, that's already happened. We're we're, we're actually days past this. At this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. And I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to give uh, for me. Um, you know, my side, love and appreciation, gratitude for everything that Green Bay has done for me. Love, so much love and gratitude and just heart open for the Packer fans Hell yeah. and what it meant to be their quarterback. <laughs> and also the reality of the situation yeah. like yeah. it is what it is. The Packers yeah. would like to move on. Because I still have that fire, and I, I, and I want to play, and I would like to play in New York. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting that done at this point. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: We got two more. I want to play one more. Never speak about this guy again. Okay. Um, Empty the clip. Uh, yeah. of truly, truly. truly. Clip um, of clips. Here is Rodgers on what changed with the Packers after the darkness.
2: We come off of last year with uh, obviously missing playoffs. I didn't have an MVP season. You know, I was interested in where they would be at Uh, mentally. Everything that I was told in the week that I was in Green Bay was, take as long as you want, and, you know, we want you to retire, Packer. Uh, You know, you want to come back and play. Obviously, the door is wide open. Um, Now, when I came out of the darkness, something changed. And I got back to my phone after five days off of it, you know, because your phone's on the entire time, there's no Wi-Fi on that, uh, you know, hippie mountain. Um, I realized that there'd been a little bit of a shift. At this point, you know, i got to admit, I I went in the darkness, 90% retiring, 10% pulling. Some of these issues were things I was talking about two years ago. You know, it was was how do we treat uh, older players on the way out? And it's ironic that now I'm, you know, I'm that player. It's good yeah. content. Good content
1: for Aaron. 500,000 plus in the stream at one time. I mean, I guess, you know, we're all waiting in bated breath for the decision. That's why there were so many people there. You want to see where mm-hmm. he's going to play. I am very interested in the football aspect of things. For sure. Now that he's exited the darkness and he wants this... to play and it won't be in Green Bay.
0: This is going to be a... New
1: York Jets could win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. New York Jets have a Super Bowl caliber de- defense. And now they got someone who can actually give you a decent performance from week to week at the quarterback position. I don't know if he's MVP level Aaron Rodgers anymore, but they have weapons, they have a defense, and now they have a quarterback, Mm. and I look forward to the actual quarterbacking rather than the talking.
0: Me too. Um, Happy that he will be happy, hopefully, with this decision and this life change. And,
1: And shout out to Randall Cobb, another year of NFL money.
0: That's right. Randall Cobb owes that guy a Rolex. I think he's probably got a bunch.
1: Rolexes.
0: Rolex. Rolex. Lexi. Right?
1: Rolex. I. Yeah, I think that's how it goes.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> so not the barn burner we now, expected.
0: Completely different. We thought this was going to be you know an offensive firepower night. Josh, our uh, tech buddy, went to the game last night. Fun or no? Thumbs up or? And kind of did the. Oh, 90%? 60%? 70% fun? I mean, it just felt like it was going to be a firepower night. 80% fun. That's actually higher than I thought.
1: That's pretty good for a 1-1 a game decided in a shootout.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since we went to a, a shootout, which was a nice treat because then we get the discussion of games end in shootouts. I don't really need to get into that today.
1: Um, <laughs> if there's one thing I hate worse than Aaron Rodgers talking about Aaron Rodgers, discussions. it's debating the shootout.
0: So Leafs lose 2-1 in a shootout to defending Stanley Cup champs. Um, Not the prolific night in terms of goal scoring, but a pretty good defensive showdown between these guys. Mm -hmm. When you look at the way that the game went, um, whether you're surprised or not, I think it gives you insight into what a playoff series could be. I don't know if it's a Stanley Cup final preview, but a way that uh, the Maple Leafs need to change their game in the playoffs if they want to find success.
1: And what a playoff opponent feels like, right? Like mm-hmm. this, I don't know, maybe was it like playoff intensity? Maybe it was like playoff focus if, yeah. if you could really like split those hairs. It wasn't exactly like, you know, after the whistle, scrums, and it, was it overly physical? Maybe it was ramped up a little bit physically, but in terms of focus defensively and mm-hmm. two teams sort of playing at a high IQ level, that's kind of what it felt. And when you get that, when you get two talented teams doing that, It kind of gives you the result, which we got, which was, you know, shots depressed and not too many scoring chances, a couple moments here and there, but not the track meet that we expected, not two goaltenders under an immense amount of pressure throughout the game and kind of some frustration, not like, not like visible or shown all over their body language, but star players not being able to get to their spots as normal as they would against say Buffalo Mm -hmm. on a midweek game in March. So it felt like a little bit more of a playoff focus and it felt like definitely an instructive game in a lot of ways. Like we saw a couple things from a strategic standpoint from the Maple Leafs that I think are worth discussing. Callie Yarncroke playing on the top line. We saw the shutdown pairing of Jake McCabe out there um, with uh, Justin Hall. Excuse me. Um and Morgan Riley sort of sliding into a more offensively focused role. So I think there was a couple things that are, are worth looking into. We got Kip Ron at seven, but we can discuss some of those things now. I just think, you know, this team is still in, like, experimental mode, and I don't know if it's like, okay, this is what we want to show versus mm-hmm. Colorado, or if the opponent didn't really matter in terms of, like, What's actually meaningful to glean? We're in glean mode. We're just like gleaning everything. We're trying we to. Do is we're glean. trying to figure out what's real because this is it's all shuffle every single night. Uh, we have different lines and different pairings. It seems every single night, and different things are happening. And it's like, okay, what's real and what's fake? And when Colorado comes to town, maybe we should take it as real. Maybe we shouldn't. But maybe we should be a little bit more focused like those teams were, on what actually Sheldon Keefe was
0: trying to do. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a litmus test, but I would say it's it's a good way to measure up against an opponent that knows how to win, obviously, um, defending a Stanley Cup this season. They haven't had the season that they had of last year, but they're, they're a hard team to play against. That was a defensive shutdown opponent, and if the Maple Leafs want to win in the playoffs, they need to learn how to win in a different way. They need to learn how to win with a defensive game where it might come down to, hey, so you're not your core four scoring three or four goals. It might be a gritty fourth line goal. It might be Morgan Riley, who hasn't scored since January 29th, finding a way to put the puck in the net. Mm -hmm. It might be Ilya Samsonov doing everything he can to keep this game 1-1, which he did. So I think there's a lot of ways that the Maple Leafs can look into this and say, you know, we're going to play X team we know in probably, what, three or four weeks how do we change the way that we play defensively? Because that it was it was slow. It was a bit of a sticky game, and they're not all going to be barn burners, right? Like it's not all going to be five, four, two, one. That that is exactly what I felt like when I watched that. Could be a uh, you know game three in a Stanley Cup. First round.
1: Mm -hmm. It was sticky, but it was sticky because of speed, wasn't it? Mm. Like, the ways in which the Leafs failed to break down the Colorado Avalanche were because Colorado is this fast team that can nip things in the bud. Very fast. And I think if we start, like, high level in terms of this game, like, it was firepower on firepower. Mm -hmm. I know we didn't see much fire. It was like... But they diffused each other. They diffused each other, right? So it was five-man units, and I think this this is important. I mean, we could talk about Cali Arncroft playing on the top line, but either way, it was Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews versus... Nathan McKinnon, the top line for Colorado Mm -hmm. and Kale McCarr the entire night. So a lot of talent on the ice at once. And you expect, as we talked about, maybe, yeah, maybe that's track meet stuff. Maybe that's all-star game stuff, but really those two kept running into each other and not really producing much. And that's what I think we expect in the playoffs. Not that we won't have much happening on the ice, but we expect Austin Matthews. And we can talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the, uh, the report out of the athletic, uh, yesterday, and possibly dealing with an injury all season long. But he looked fresh. He looked good. But he also looked like he was in a matchup where he can't be clearly and obviously the best player on the ice. Like, But Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon on the ice together, it's like, you know, it could go either way, but it also could go in a way where it's like there's so much attentiveness to what's going on that they kind of neutralize each other. And I think for the most part last night, the big stars in the game neutralized each mm-hmm.
0: other. So that's why where depth really makes a difference. And right now the Maple Leafs are yeah. struggling a little bit with consistency in the bottom six or even their defense pairings because they're going through the 11 7s phase. They don't have uh, Ryan O'Reilly, obviously, either on that second or third line yet. So maybe this looks different when you have some structure. I would hope it looks different when you have you know less fluidity and more consistency. So I, I think in the sense of the matter that they had a lot of question marks. They even had too many men penalty because they're trying to figure out who the hell is going on the ice sometimes. like You're right, experimental phase right now. But it is the middle of March, and the playoffs are right around the corner. I don't know how much time I have for experimental phases still. I understand that Ryan O'Reilly is not present. But I don't know how many more experiments in this science lab we're going to be doing here. Like, I I want to see some dial it down, get some consistency, know your role, start putting together good performances where you can build confidence as well.
1: Okay, how experimental then do you think the pairing of Jake McCabe and Justin Hall was? And they were connected to Austin Mm -hmm. Matthews more often than not last night. So what they were looking for was a shutdown pairing with your best players. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner connected to for a lot of the night. Jake McCabe and Justin Hall. Do you think, do you like Jake McCabe, Justin Hall as a pairing first and foremost? I really like foremost? Jake McCabe. I do too. And he, and the fact that he could play within that matchup for a long time and not look overly exposed mm-hmm. in yesterday, yesterday's game is, is big time. Big time for this team. Justin Hall has played really heavy shutdown role minutes before, but only dependent on his partner. Like, he's played it well with Jake Muzzin. Yeah. In the North Division season where they were brilliant together, uh, they were able to shut down the likes of Connor McDavid on some nights to look good against Connor McDavid on some nights. Uh, maybe there's something there, and that opens up the opportunity for Morgan Riley to play with TJ Brody, which he did last night for the most part. Got a couple of Gustafson shifts in there as well, but that seems like if you're looking to achieve balance – If Jake McCabe and Justin Hall works, and not just works in like a depth role, but works against, with Matthews, Mm -hmm. against players like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, then you might have something there. Because Justin Hall has proven that he can log some shutdown minutes when in the right situation. And maybe Jake McCabe is, I mean, he's kind of Jake Muzzin-esque, but maybe he's a fixer like TJ Brody is, where he can come in, clean things up, and lift the performance of his teammates. I think that's like one of the more intriguing things from last night is that Jake McCabe and Justin Hall put together some decent minutes and at least created a wash, and it helps that you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner out there, but helped create a wash against a really tough matchup.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see it again. Uh, McCabe logged 18... Fourteen, Justin Hall, sixteen fifty four, um right up there in terms of time on ice, but
1: eleven minutes combined and yeah, they you know, it was a thirty five percent Corsi, but pretty much nothing happened on the ice when those two were out mm-hmm. there, which is good against mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon, right? Shots were only four three in favor of the Maple Leafs in eleven minutes with McCabe and Hall out there together at even See, strength. That's good. Let's give this another game.
0: Want. Like just try it two in a row. Because I think Luke Shen might be around the corner. I believe he's already been back since Monday. I'm not sure why they, you know, gave him another day in between. Um, they're just trying to get him ready for
1: Give him the seventh roll.
0: Next yeah, so day, tomorrow next time they're out. back in action and then Saturday they're back in action. So a back to back coming up, um, one on the road in Ottawa, so not too far. But you know, I just I I understand why we're doing the shuffling. But we have a lot of games here to string together some consistency, and I liked McCabe and Hall, and I think there's promise there. But Did what I, you
1: see anything? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to just talk about Morgan Riley.
1: Okay, go ahead. Yeah, let's to the defensive core. Yeah,
0: because that was the biggest thing for me, was Morgan Riley played one of his best games of the season, just in terms of confidence level. Obviously, he has been the Any topic. Any
1: coincidence that TJ Brody was his partner?
0: Exactly. He has been a red-hot topic of conversation, and it hasn't always <laughs> It hasn't been positive. We can say that easily. He gets a goal. First one I said since January 19th is third of the year. And you just saw once again, like he got that first goal of the season, this relief in the guy. And then it got to his legs and he was skating. He was playing with speed. He was jumping up. Like he had that offensive role that maybe we had been expecting and missing all season long. And that helps when you have TJ Brody beside you, who you have a level of confidence in that can, you know, taper away some of the mistakes that be, might be made. He's also mic'd up, which was interesting. And uh, we could play some of that too. But I just thought, wow, if Morgan Riley can, can play a little bit of this style, this confidence, a little pep, a little bit of trust in himself, this is a completely different stretch. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this is one game in a while that I felt that way about Morgan Riley. But what are we gleaning? That it can happen. There's hope still.
1: Yeah, and in the same ways that Mitch Marner, we've talked about all year that he's running on confidence. Maybe maybe Morgan Riley has run short on confidence and that's really affected his season. Oh, no like doubt about it. he scored that goal. You see the relief. You see like it wasn't the last time he scored where he's looking at the heavens, but this he was he looked pretty happy to have scored that goal for reasons not just related to actually scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. Like there's some pressure off, there's maybe a mental side uh, to it as well, maybe some relief. Um, I, I do think Brody matters to him. I think partner matters to him big time. I don't think he can be a dominant two-way defenseman. I think he can be a a weapon for you, a major weapon for you, if playing with the right partner. It is very fickle with Riley. It is dependent on who he's playing with, and to expect him to lift someone else I think is Very, very hopeful if you're Sheldon Keefe. He was connected. Him and Brody were connected to the Tavares line for most of the the game. And I think we should talk about that because the Tavares line did absolutely nothing. (laughs) And that's part and parcel with Riley and Brody. Mm -hmm. Like, Riley had individual uh, moments, uh, power play stuff. The goal was actually with uh, Marner and Matthews. So it's not like he was locked to this combination with John Tavares and, and William Nylander and Michael Bunting. Uh, but that line in particular did not have a good night. I think in combined minutes against Denny Malgin, our guy, the shots were eight nothing for Colorado. So Denny, I think this is one of the games where you can kind of like really dive into the numbers. It feels like somewhat important to do so because you're it like did,
0: born this morning. Eh? It
1: did feel well. There's not much Big from that game, guy. so I gotta we gotta figure out what it, what actually <laughs> happened out there because not much to really gnaw on. Uh, they had a tough night. They couldn't do much, and that that was the same with the eye test, right? Like, it's the same old story. It's same old story with Riley, and that okay, he needs a partner. Same old story with John Tavares, William Nylander, and whomever. Sometimes it doesn't work against high level competition. And John Tavares got lost in that game. William Nylander got lost in that game, and I don't know if Michael Bunting works with those two guys.
0: If you could clone either T.J. Brody, I mean, I guess Mitch Marner would be your answer. But think yeah, about if you Mitch could just Carter. if you could clone those guys.
1: Yeah, and that's another important thing, right? You, you kind of need two Mitch Murder's on this team to optimize it because... And two TJ
0: Brodies, too. Because
1: Matthews needs him, it seems. And we'll get to the Matthews discussion. Maybe he doesn't need him as much anymore. But John Tavares seems like he needs him, too. So it's a tough spot to be in. I think the best, the most intriguing or most encouraging stuff, though, was the defense bearings.
0: Yeah, and, and once again, night. try it again tomorrow. You're playing at Carolina Hurricanes and then the Ottawa Senators. Hurricanes are a good team. They have some superstars up front. One of them now is out of this for the rest of the season, unfortunately. They're not an easy team to play against. Try it again. Saturday night, okay, So Ottawa Senators. Yeah, they like to play against the Maple Leafs. They will elevate their game. We know this. It's always it's those teams that are scary against the Maple Leafs. Do try you, it two games in a row.
1: Do you want them to try it two games in a row with Cal Yarncroak on the top line?
0: I don't mind Callie Yarncroke on the top line because I'm getting a little bit uh, uh, over the Kerfoot top line moments. Yeah. I think he's got like a Kerfoot fetish.
1: I think <laughs> Kerfoot, again, it's like, I don't know. I, I thought Callie Yarncroke looked pretty good on the top line. I think most people were gonna are going to look good on the top line with Matthews and Marner when they play mm-hmm. at the top, like when they're playing and healthy and, and feeling good about themselves. Um, it is interesting, though, that a team that has had this option all year, finally went to it in game, what, 65? Like, this is the first time that those three have played meaningful minutes together the entire season. That just tells you exactly what is going on right now with the Maple Leafs. Full-on experimental mode because they're not quite set or happy or satisfied with what they have. Whether it's Kerfoot up there, bunting up there, whoever's playing with John Tavares, it seems like everything is totally in flux. Except for, with the exception of maybe that he's recognized here, Matthews and Marner have to play together.
0: All right, let's go to Mar- uh, Matthews then. I mean, do you want to see it then tomorrow? What, Callie? Yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> ah, whatever, man. I don't like. I don't. I just don't know if there's a per. I don't know what the first domino is. What's the first decision? Is it Marner? Is it making sure John Tavares has something that works for him? Because Bunting didn't look that good with him. Callie has looked good with him at times. what we know. That's the big issue right now. Because John Tavares, we've been talking about this, weaponizing minutes. I, I can look up quickly who uh, he saw the most of last night. But it wasn't Nathan McKinnon. It was Lars Eller. And Logan O'Connor.
0: Mm.
1: And Sam Girard, And Andrew Cogliano. A little bit of Kale McCarr. And yeah, you could see what that matchup did. Like... <laughs> He wasn't able to gain traction against anyone, and he had easier minutes. The Lars Eller-John Tavares matchup in a playoff game has to go to John Tavares. Has to.
0: Well, just keep thinking that Ryan O'Reilly is going to be available too. So.
1: And maybe that that's, changes Maybe that's the biggest piece. Maybe what we're going like to learn— You have
0: a guy there that's going to change a lot about who your line matching, right? Maybe, and home ice would make a big what, difference.
1: Exactly, but what we're going to learn is that Ryan O'Reilly has to play on the second line. Maybe that's the conclusion in mm. the end. Because you, ha- you can't go – What we talked about it last year, and I've said it a million times. It didn't work last year. And if you come back after all this change and all the pressure on Dubas and all the-, the stakes on and everything that goes into this playoff run, if you go back to a line that didn't work last year, Kerfoot, Nylander, Tavares, let's say it's that, did not work, you go back to it, it does not work again, then what was this all for?
0: Isn't that the uh, definition of insanity? It would be. All right. Still some time to figure all this out. Uh, maybe the blender keeps blending. Maybe we stop and we give it a go. Um, one more thing, actually, before we do the Matthews article and some things that came out there. Samsonov. Samsonov. Yeah, we he should play, probably talk about He Samsonov. played great. Yeah. He played great. He did everything he could do, really, to shut that offense down. Held the minute. Shootout loss. Like, I mean, it's a 2-1 victory for the Colorado Avalanche in a game that has back and forth high stakes and back and forth goal scorers. I thought he did great. I, I have felt very strong about Samsonov for a while. And once again, I think he's my number one. Like, yeah, I know we want to give Matt Murray an opportunity to gain his confidence, but how long are we going to keep sheltering? And like, you know, not babying's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like giving him and protecting him and saying, try again, try again, try again. Samsonov has earned the spot. Like, Mm-hmm. I understand that there's still more time down the stretch, and I, I'm not saying he should run with it. But if you're giving me start playoff start tomorrow, it's Samson off for me.
1: One hundred percent. And I was trying but to we still have this
0: conversation all the time.
1: No, I, I I think it's you can continue to give Matt Murray starts because I and just don't. To. I just don't think you want to. You
0: want to run alias yeah, Samson just, to the I, ground? I just no. don't think
1: you want to do that. I don't think you should be doing it with any other intention than okay, let's. Let's try and keep Murray sharp. Let's keep him feeling at least somewhat good, or can we get him to feel somewhat good about himself so if he has to come in in a playoff game, the boat hasn't already sunk to the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) I think that's all you're trying to do because Samsonov, whether he's won the net or Murray's lost the net, whatever whatever side of that you sit on, if you think that Samsonov is the starter, I think he's won it too. I think he's just flat out gone in there and done... His
0: home record alone is absolutely incredible. Of course it is.
1: It is. His numbers are very good. Mm-hmm. He's won he, it. Everything, everything within his control, he's taken care of and proven that he should be that guy. And I think Murray has, in a way, lost it. But I think the more powerful force out of those two competing things, if you want to call them competing things, is Samsonov has won the starter's role. With his performance, he's just been better, and he's answered pretty much all the questions that we've had for him.
0: Uh, we got head coach Shelly Keefe talking about Samsonov, um, his level of play last night.
2: He was locked in. You know, again, I don't think we gave up a ton in terms of, like, high-quality chances. You know, there was a lot of stuff coming from the points in the perimeter, you know, but anything that we did give up on the slot or, or whatever it might have been, uh, he just, he was he was set. He looked really athletic and dynamic, you know, with his, some of the saves he made with his hands. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I thought he was excellent. You know, in a game in which there wasn't a whole lot whole lot of opportunity for the goalie to really shine uh, i thought you know he was still a standout in the game for us
0: all right so back in action tomorrow against Carolina hurricanes and then on the road on saturday against the Sens. expect him i would like him friday big spot there back to back still at home give him another chance Give these I get, lines I get another chance. The Sens
1: thing, if you want to, if it's about confidence, he needs
0: to play the Ottawa Senators one damn time this season and win. I just, I can't. If there's some more phantom injury that comes up Saturday, I, I honestly, well,
1: that's the last thing. We'll we be need. sick to my the last stomach. Thing we need is Samsonov thinking he's got a night off and having to go into that. Especially, you need
0: to put Matt Murray in on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, if if
0: you want to show that you have earned some level of trust with this team, and that confidence isn't an issue. Or that a
1: big spot doesn't completely scare you. Exactly. Yeah. You need to be able to show that you got something.
0: And you know what? If they don't put him in Saturday, I think that's a sign of where the level of trust is for for the Maple Leafs as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Leafs are showing their hand, I guess, to a certain extent. Although, I think they should push for that because that is at least going to tell you something about a mental state. But if he shies away from that, not to say that he has or would or whatever... But that's telling on yourself. If you yep. don't want to play the Ottawa Senators Again. As a member of the Maple Leafs? Again. Then what are we what are In we In Ottawa? We, uh, game seven's gonna be all right.
0: Okay. Um we got more with Kipper at seven o'clock. We've got Ben Nicholson Smith and
1: You did tease the Matthews thing, we should talk about
0: quick. Yeah, I was just teasing the rest of our show.
1: Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Who's our big guest at seven thirty? Should we tee up?
1: Sure want people to listen.
0: Oh, I wanted to do... I don't know how to do, like, the WWE promo.
1: You don't want to cut a promo? You you want me to cut a promo? See if you can do it. I can't cut a promo. It's way too early to cut a promo. I will say, though, we've got Trish Stratus on, 7.30. We talked to her yesterday, and she came in...
0: Practice something during the break, and I'll have a good promo for it. Like okay. I'll tee okay. us up with it. But no, well, you know, we do have Tristan. She,
1: she came in guns a blazing, and you can tell, like, oh, that's very obvious why someone's successful when you like first meet the, like, a successful yeah, she's person got it's got like the charisma. Oh, you understand the room immediately. You are very confident. Like it's, it was very clear. Oh, successful person is in our vicinity for right a now. Reason, yeah. But she picked up on our dynamic immediately. She's you two within five seconds were making fun no, of. No, you
0: we were a tag team. It was, it was us yeah, versus Justin Cuthbert. Unlike, Amazing. I didn't do anything This here. interview is awesome. It's actually one of the most fun I've had in my time here at the station. So There
1: you go. I You were eating it up yesterday. No, we had a
0: really great time. So that's a 730. We'll play that then. Um, she's got lots of exciting things on the horizon, and you'll have to listen to find out. Okay. Uh, Jonas Siegel from The Athletic uh, had a report on Austin Matthews. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, posted yesterday, so you can go take a look at that. Um, talking about the hand injury that has hampered him this season. Matthews, quote, it was bothering me. It just felt like something was off. I just felt not completely like I wasn't able to do exactly what I wanted to do at times. So one-on-one interview with Austin Matthews. He also talks about how his hand was affecting his shot. So, Mm -hmm. okay, we thought about things like this, quote, just maybe not as strong, honestly, and it just didn't feel as fluid. I think sometimes it can be a number of different things, whether it's footwork or stuff like that. Now it's feeling a lot better, end quote.
1: You can chalk this up as unsurprising, right? Like, the start of the year where it was like, wow, what's wrong with Austin Matthews? He's getting his chances. But then we also
0: felt bad saying that because it's like, oh, he's still going to score 40 goals.
1: Yeah, but even, even real early on where it was like, okay, Matthews looks like Matthews, but wow, the shot doesn't look like Austin last year. Like, the finishing ability. Why can't he score like he did last year? I mean, hearing this is completely unsurprising. I will say there's two stages of this, though, because Matthews went from oh, he's getting his chances, too. Oh, he's not even getting his chances anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was still in the context relative to Matthews. Like, yeah, he's still a really good player getting his, but not at the same level where it was like, okay, unbelievable, 100 out of 100, yeah, Austin Matthews injury, all of last year. I'll say it. Then you come in with injury. Then yeah. we're finding out about that. And it's like, oh, this is like, it looks like the 100-100 Matthews, but it's something different. And then it dropped off the table there. And it's like, I can understand all that. The injury affects you early Mm -hmm. and then you're affected by the injury. You're affected mentally by the injury. Your play is affected by the injury. So it went from, and I guess I'm, maybe I'm making some excuses or creating my own narrative, but it felt like, oh, the injury is affecting this. And then it's like, man, I'm not the same player with this injury, and I've got to learn to deal with that over the course of the season. Maybe he is both healthy and assured of himself once again. He looks like that guy, even though it's not going in at the same rate as it did last year right now. But yeah, when when you learn that Austin Matthews was dealing with an injury for the first half of the season yesterday... I think that's kind of what we all expected. All yeah,
0: I think you're right about it's not an excuse; it's a reasoning. I've I've played with injury before, whether it's affecting your skating or not. You, you're thinking differently about getting into tight areas. I had a broken wrist, and I rushed the recovery at one point. I wanted to get back in there. I mm-hmm. had um, a teammate once play with a hard cast on her wrist. Like she's just like, I want to get back in there. Oh, Jill Sonia Olympian. Um, but I, sorry, I what Jill Sonia
1: Oh, Jill Sonia She was he her. said she, that really fast.
0: Sorry, she had a broken wrist and was legitimately playing with the hard casts on. Nice. Um, she's just a grinder. I didn't do that, but I had broken my wrist and I returned to injury. Like literally the first time that the, the, the doctor was like, okay, you're able to begin. I'm like, okay, get me out there. Right. No strength. Obviously I'm not Austin Matthews, um, but you think differently about getting into corners. You're thinking different. like your stick getting lifted up in front of the net. Like your centerman. Uh, yeah. Like that's, really tough so I understand that it can affect your play and your just your level of confidence in what you're going to do out there not an excuse just a reasoning so hey we uncovered something thanks to Jonas Siegel and we'll see how it how it has changed our our perspective of Austin Matthews season just just a nice piece of information to know
1: yeah uh, it's a little concerning to know because Wrist and hand, right? He's been dealing with wrist and hand. What happened at the start mm-hmm. of his 60-goal season, he was overcoming off-season, I believe, wrist surgery. Now it's a hand issue, I think Jonas laid out for us, or it might have been a wrist as well. Um, it just seems like it's something he may be constantly battling over the course of his career. Because to drink more milk. It's happened over and over, right? And I don't know what it comes down to. Is it training? Is it uh, you know injuries piling up? I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, I am sure... The training staff and the doctors of the Maple Leafs are so hyper aware of what's of course, going on with this guy's hands and wrists, though, because they are—they are his moneymakers, mm-hmm. and they are the moneymakers for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: All right, we'll talk more about that with Kipper at seven. Uh, but yesterday, the win and in game Canada and Mexico. Did not go in the way of Canada, but if you squinted hard enough, both teams were wearing red jerseys, you could have believed that Canada won 10-3, unfortunately. <laughs> did this bother you? It really bothered me.
1: I had, It didn't bother me at all. Buddy,
0: the jerseys were exactly the same shade of red.
1: But, like, it's baseball.
0: I know, but still.
1: I played hockey last night. We wear yellow, and the team that was we were playing wore, like, the, the chest is blue, but the trim and the arms were yellow. And, and it was chaos. That's what I'm saying. But baseball is not I don't care, just the viewing experience fl- of knowing game who's on or, base,
0: who's at bat. Like you really gotta zoom in. But if their someone's eyes. on
1: base, they're the team
0: that's batting. Yes, I understand. And you know I'm just saying the jerseys were literally exactly the same color. Anyway, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Small factor, I'm just saying that maybe you could have believed. Anyway, Mexico wins ten three. Um Canada's run at the World Baseball Classic and
1: it's not enough pitching. Not
0: enough. They used eight different pitchers yesterday. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, you know, you're you're emptying the clip, you're exhausting the resources. You just didn't have that many high end guys, unfortunately. And it kinda it kinda snowballed from you know the first the first mm-hmm. act at the World Baseball Classic for Canada, was hey, Cal Quantrill really good not being able to get out there. of there. Like, not being able to give you anything.
0: All right, enough with the Port Hope slander.
1: I'm just saying. It was, it was a weakness for mm-hmm. Canada coming in. And when you had to go to the reserves, you had to tax the bullpen, you had to use all your pitchers, you had to basically skip a game against the USA to try and put yourself in position to have enough pitching, it all added up in the end. 100%. Where they just didn't have enough. To get by quality teams like Mexico, and that's okay. We need a little bit more buy-in. It's going to be the same story, but we also need more talent. For because sure. at the end of the day, if you want to compete in a tournament like that, you have to be better than the team that Canada put out there.
0: So, understandably, some players decide not to represent Canada or any of their countries at or the Or their World clubs, S- uh, the sure.
1: major league clubs are like, now nah, we kind of For need sure. You to- there's, there's
0: clearly an issue with either timing or with the injury risk, and that happens in spring training. We saw Freddie Freeman's injured, but yesterday, if you hadn't had an opportunity to see this, it was pretty late at night. Edwin Diaz. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, my heart. The trumpets are playing sad music today. He, I didn't
1: want to watch it because I was scared I was, was going to see something really bad. You can't really see
0: the injury. I mean, I, I didn't really want to look, but Edwin this Diaz. This is a Kendrick
1: Morales, right, celebrating, and it's the Blair Turnbull that we've yeah. seen this so many times.
0: So Puerto Rico is celebrating a monster win. Yesterday against the Dominican Republic. Last no, night,
1: eliminating the Dominican Republic in, in pre-tournament a favorites.
0: Cause for massive celebration. Yeah, They're definitely. all on the mound. They win five-two, celebrating, and then all of a sudden, Edwin Diaz is laying down, and it is it's alarming because everyone turns to the trainer and they do the signaling, and he's flat on the ground, clutching his leg. The celebration stops. It's like eerily quiet in there, and he has to get taken off the field in a wheelchair. He's unable to sustain any weight or even straighten his leg. There's no confirmed, you know, I don't want to speculate, but it looks awful. Mm -hmm. And Edwin Diaz just came off of a big contract. He has won the hearts of a lot of people in the baseball world for his closing abilities. One of the best closers in baseball and the music and everything about him. Puerto Rico having an opportunity to go far in this tournament now, like that's just, it's devastating. And then you look at that and you think, well... Anything can happen. is fluke injury, of course. It's like when Blair Turnbull broke her leg when Canada won the World Championships two summers ago. Just They won the World Championships. She's in the dog pile and she snapped her leg. So I don't really know what's going on with Edwin Diaz in terms of the injury, but it's a right knee and it looked bad. So you look at that and you think, oh, maybe I understand my players don't want to play in it. I mean, you can't predict these things, but the second part of this is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. returns to the Blue Jays yesterday. He's back in the lineup. We talked about that. We are excited about it. But then now has traveled to Miami to watch the Dominican Republic at the World Baseball Classic. And then you thought, okay, if they moved on, was he going to play? There's this, you know, there was this, like, lingering thing. Well, if he's there, it's a must-win game. Is that allowed?
1: <laughs> I don't think that's our rules. I feel like you should be able to, you should finalize After the roster every round, I?
0: you're allowed to. Really? Danielle, I just said so in my ear.
1: Well, then he probably was preparing to do so, and
0: so would. But I'm okay.
1: I'm. This is all speculating.
0: Now it doesn't matter because the Dominican Republic's out. But would we have been okay if Vladdy started playing in the World Baseball Classic tomorrow?
1: I would have been completely fine with it. You wouldn't been. I would have been. You're you're what's wrong with the World Baseball Classic?
0: Yes, I am. What's wrong with the world? Probably. Um,
1: (laughs) I should have just cut that off at the at the world. You're what's wrong with the world? I,
0: I didn't say I would be upset with it. I would be very. Cautious Because if it it was enough of an injury that you had to miss about two weeks or, or so to make sure it was up to the level to play for spring training, you play one game for the Toronto Blue Jays. And then now you want to go to the utmost level of competition that's available right now is the World Baseball Classic where you're representing your country. What's the difference
1: between that and spring training baseball other than celebrations?
0: Um, I think people are caring a little bit more about the World Baseball Classic and representing course, your country.
1: But you're still doing athletic things uh, that you would I know. In I think, it's, I think it's a
0: different level of. You're the
1: reason why the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics.
0: I'm the reason why the NHL probably has major you're, problems. You're Jeremy right? Jacobs. Uh, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I'm probably the worst person <laughs> in the world.
1: I, I mean, I'm not. I will never be like, if there's international competition, I would never want to hold anyone back.
0: I don't want to either. All I'm saying is I would be a little bit hesitant in. Watching with bated breath because Vladdy played one game and then would go play for the Dominican Republic. They care a lot about this. This isn't, you know, the... The weird jerseys and the knighting in the crown where you have no expectations to win. Like, Dominican was supposed... Anyway, this doesn't matter because he's not playing, but it just gives you a little bit of context about this tournament can be unsettling for teams when they look at the entire season ahead. Like, Edwin Diaz could be out for months. He There's could be out for the season.
1: There is a risk with any physical activity. Same Freddie Freeman. Whether Friedman. it's spring training or it's the World Baseball Classic.
0: Anyway... Just let everyone do whatever they want with no consequences. Justin Cuthbert. <laughs> no
1: consequences. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, yeah, I see this completely other perspective. I want you to play me. I want, me. Vladdy, I to want Vladdy to be
0: healthy all year long for the Toronto Blue Jays. If
1: the first thing or the last thing Vladdy did before embarking on a long and grueling regular season with the Toronto Blue Jays was win a World Baseball Classic with all his buddies at the Dominican Republic, I would be thrilled for him. If he got hurt, I'd be like, that sucks. But he could have got hurt opening day with the Toronto Blue Jays. And the same the thing The difference is
0: opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays is weeks away. This is one day after you returned from injury and played one baseball game.
1: If he's deemed healthy, he's deemed healthy.
0: Okay. Well, that's never going to happen anyway because my team, who I drafted with the computer-generated should I machine. Go, should
1: I go buy the beef hearts right now for you?
0: Yeah, I think I'm out, guys, because Dominican's out. My buddies, Puerto Rico did that to them. They should have known
1: little Alish on Alish crime.
0: I've got Korea, Cuba, Dominican, and Puerto Rico. so I'm not looking like I'm uh, favorable to win this competition between the two of us with you with USA, Japan, Venezuela, and Mexico.
1: You got a chip in a chair. you got three teams that are still alive. I mean Puerto I have teams, a good yes. team but the USA juggernaut Japan, I don't know how I don't know how it's going to translate, but they just dominated overseas I think before right coming now, over. Too. Yeah, they're playing this morning, right?
0: I saw Shohei making his strut onto the field.
1: And then even Mexico. Oh, earned. they're playing
0: the Danielle's Italians, he said.
1: Oh. Well good luck. We might have to uh stream that hash one. it out after.
0: Anyway, it's gonna be tough. I think I'll be eating beef heart or liver or whatever, but I was the one that set the stakes and I'm ready for it. I'm no problem. What are
1: you going with, liver or heart?
0: Well, let's just get there first, bud, okay. I'm Sp- going heart. Speaking of food. Scotty Scheffler's master's menu Mm -hmm. is out. We're going to break that down on the other side of the break with the A-list.
1: Sportsnet 590, the fan.
0: There it is. Edwin's walk-in, walk-up entrance music, and I hope that he is well. I hope
1: we hear that this year.
0: God, do I ever. United the hearts of baseball fans everywhere.
1: Damn the World Baseball Classic.
0: Just cancel it. Says you. Alright, A-List, let's do it.
1: Now, it's time for
0: hey, yo. The
1: A-List.
0: Bing-bong. 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 What's up, baby? A tradition unlike any other. The defending Masters champion hosts the champion's dinner this time around, which is only weeks away. I cannot wait. Scotty Scheffler, a friend to my bank account, will be taking his Masters dinner to a nice, I guess it would be like a classy approach, right? It's not like the burgers, pizza. He's got a little something in there. like He's got a little taste, so... This is what he'll be serving on April fourth, 2023, at the Augusta dinner. Cheeseburger. So he gets three appetizer options, okay? And he's gone with cheeseburger sliders, which is probably like the least classy of things he's selected, but oh, delicious. They'll, they'll class
1: those things up.
0: Oh yeah, served Scotty style, whatever that means.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to find that out.
0: Firecracker shrimp with sweet Thai chili and sriracha mayo. Mm.
1: And you can sign me up for that.
0: And tortilla soup. So, soup's an interesting one, but.
1: Uh, tortilla soup is maybe the best soup. So,
0: avocado, Hell yeah. crispy blue tortilla chips, sour cream, cilantro, and lime. So, those are his three appetizer options. I'm going to eat all of them.
1: Yeah, three for three.
0: And now oh, you yes, have the it. opportunity to choose your main between the following Texas ribeye steak <laughs> or blackened redfish. And you, the sides with that, family style mac and cheese. Jalapeno creamed corn, fried Brussels sprouts, and seasoned fries. Whew. To follow it up, warm chocolate chip skillet cookie with milk and cookies and ice cream.
1: Wait. There's a skillet cookie and then there are milk and cookies?
0: Milk and cookies ice cream.
1: Oh. Okay. I think Scotty nailed it. This
0: is a ten out of ten like I,
1: I don't know how you could do better than that. Like, yeah, if you're partial to Italian food, you could put together yeah, an Italian pristine. spread that looks or not looks that is, you know, akin to this, the comparative to this. But if I'm putting together something, I, I don't even want to quibble with this. Like you wanted me to put together something. I, I, we'd have to go step by step because what? There's three appetizers. Three there.
0: appetizers. I, I would like a little bacon wrapped scallops if I was having this.
1: Bacon wrapped scallops.
0: I could go. So for you're it.
1: going to East Coast vibe? Is that East so Coast I, vibe? So
0: I would have. I would have a little bit of.
1: See, that's what East that, Coast flavor. I, in mine. I feel like is, is there is there really a theme to what he did, or is it like well, it is Southern food? Generic. Is it like, like Scotty Southern Texas? Sliders,
0: firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup, steak, fish, and cookie skillet? Like you're not anything out of the ordinary. You know what people in Texas eat probably meat, boar,
1: a little Southwest. The tortilla soup makes
0: Ribs. sense. Ribs. Le- I would pick some bacon-wrapped scallops would be really nice. Um, I was just thinking when I we were doing the break, what are some good appetizers at, like, weddings that I've had? Bacon-wrapped scallops, is you're, you're reaching in and grabbing some of those when they walk around with a little plate. Honey garlic chicken skewers, that's real good, too. Easy yeah. to snack on. But I would have to have an oyster bar if I was at a little appy area. You know, you head up there, you make your own. You hate oysters, I forgot. Your I mean, face, I've, I've never,
1: I've never tried just one. just That should I've be never, our next n-
0: bet is you just have one oyster. I'm going to kill you. I mean,
1: that, I would, that's certainly better than the beef heart. You seem to be in line or tracking no towards problem. eating.
0: I would like a steak and lobster, like surf and turf. I think I'd go for that. Maybe a chowder soup.
1: Okay, so you got kind of like the wedding vibe going, like, right? Like maybe, yeah, sure. maybe it's East Coast wedding. I don't know. But it's like, that, that seems like a really high end wedding menu. I I feel like I'd be a fraud either way, but I kind of would like to lean into maybe like an Asian fusion. Mm, maybe there's like delicious. maybe there's some like a sushi bar. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had the the torch salmon yep. sushi? Like that. If you laid that out as one appy, That's that'd nice. be great. Spring roll to I like go a good with spring that. Roll. A good crunch. What, what exactly the main would be in that sense? I'm not really sure. But if you want to like, if you want to fuse, you want to do some fusion. I think that's where I would go, but they'd be really like, I don't, "I don't know. I don't have like a." I
0: well, don't this have would it. mean that you I don't would have, have to any... win something, so don't don't bother thinking about it. Well,
1: I mean, we just discussed how I'm in complete control of our WBC pool, <laughs> which you say you're you're done with the WBC now, not paying any more attention. I'm going to be <laughs> paying attention and reveling in every result down the stretch here as we eliminate your teams one by one.
0: Okay, five ninety five ninety. What would be on your master's dinner? You get to host the best, the legends. Are you going to impress? Are you going to go to the, the fun class? Are you going go to go the Canadian flair? Are you doing a little poutine, little beaver that's tails? What that, and
1: that's what I said. Like, What's your identity you need, when you do this? Yeah, you need if I like, what did, what did Mike Weir do? Did he come in guns a with poutine? Did he go that route? Because I'd rather just be like, hey, can we get like the best Mexican here and I'll just go that route? It'd be delicious.
0: Um, one last one here before we take a break. We've got Kipper on the other side. Um, So Jimmy Butler reportedly punished his teammates after a loss to the Magic. How did he do that? By blasting Nickelback in the locker room. He's now an enemy of the state because I like Nickelback and I don't understand it when people (laughs) pretend to hate him. Or them. Um,
1: One other difference between the NHL and NBA is that it's celebratory to play Nickelback in the sorry. NHL, especially in Edmonton, with Connor McDavid revealing that this week that he's a massive Nickelback fan, and they're, it being punishment fine. in the NBA.
0: Like it's he blasts Nickelback in the locker room because they lost. I don't know. Last week, Connor or this this Monday, Connor McDavid was on the Junos, right? Yeah,
1: he's presenting an award to he Nickelback. He said performance a favorite. A performance.
0: Canadian. Artists. And you're kind of,
1: maybe that's true. You're a little bit obligated to say that. But when you know, you're, he wasn't going to say Justin Bieber. No, I mean, he was presenting Nickelback. Mm-hmm. So I think he, uh, you know, leaned into it a little bit.
0: All right. Um, on the other side of the break, we got Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward, of course, co-host of Real Kipper and Born. Let's break down the Maple Leafs 2-1 shootout loss to the defending Stanley Cup champions in the Colorado Avalanche.